Hey, Tim, how's it going? Superman. Superman. Yeah, that's good. You should get one of those shirts. That can be your campaign uh, identity. Yeah, uh, sweet. Um, so today we want to talk not about a specific libertarian kind of policy, but um, we want to talk about the limits of compassion. And so this mm. is something that I've been really interested in for quite a while now, as I've just been thinking about you know, the world we live in, and, and it seems very not compassionate now. And my brain always goes, uh, you know, works in extreme. So I thought that, especially, the, you know, the tone of what we talk about, and, and I like picking your brain. So I, I wanted to, you know, get your thoughts on it. And so really, the idea of compassion is, is fundamentally that, you know, we are all flawed humans, and you have to give people the benefit of the doubt and know people are trying their best, basically, right? Hmm. Um, that's a, as I understand it. But at the extremes, it's about also trying to understand that people are in situations you can't really understand. Um, and so we can talk about compassion a bit at a, at a right. general sense, but then I want to get to the extremes. And I, I view the extremes in three different, three different people always come to mind for me in terms of, you know, scale of limit of compassion. So they're Kim Jong-un, Bashar al-Assad and Hitler. And so these are three people that it's like, okay, could we make a case for compassion for them? And and, and I thought you were going to make a case that they were very compassionate people. No, no, not, not that they are compassionate people, but that can we be compassionate for people like them? Or mm. can we like stretch the, the limits? Or at what point do right, they right. lose our compassion along their journey that they uh, took? Um, so what are your th initial thoughts and, and about kind of compassion generally? I well, guess? I'm trying I'm trying to wrap my head around the concept of compassion and exactly what it means. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I look at at things like empathy and sympathy. Uh, this is how I think of empathy and, and sympathy. And maybe you can tell me how this relates to compassion. To me, empathy is trying to look at the world through someone else's eyes and, and mm -hmm. experience what what the world is like to them. Right. And so, yeah. for example, if you're getting mugged in a back alley somewhere, the more closely you can understand the world through your mugger's eyes, the better off the outcome of that situation is going to be, you know, is he, is he desperate? Is he uh, sinister? Is he a druggie looking for, you know, there, there's, there may be a way to negotiate your way out of that situation or decide whether violence is the best way, but to, make the best decision in that situation. It's always good to understand what that other person is thinking, feeling and experiencing in that moment. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's empathy. Um, yeah. And, and I think that, and it's neutral in terms of whether you, uh, whether you feel, I guess, compassion or sympathy or something for that person, uh, or whether you feel, you know, like, uh, ill will towards that person. It's simply experiencing something through some, and then sympathy mm -hmm. to me is actually, um, kind of positive empathy, right? It's like, I understand what it's like to, I, I'm, I have an idea of what the world is like through your, to be in your shoes. Uh, and, uh, I, I sympathize with you, right? I, I, I like, so actually I, I disagree with you. that. Okay. I, I agree with your, broad definition of empathy, but sympathy is more, more like, I don't see it from your point of view, but I see your experience and I feel bad for you. Right. So people have sympathy sometimes for homeless people. They can't imagine themselves being homeless, but they just right. like, Oh, that's a terrible existence. Like I just feel I, bad for this person. 
Um, so that's okay. kind of the, so empathy as, is always viewed as more, uh, as better than sympathy. Sympathy is like, oh, what a crappy situation you're in. Empathy is, oh my goodness, like I understand what that would feel like um, right. type thing. Okay, I, I can get behind those definitions. But then, so tell me how compassion relates to those two concepts. So from my understanding, uh, and I'll read the quick Google definition. The quick Google definition is sympathetic pity and concern for the suffering or misfortunes of others. So I actually don't agree with that definition. I think that is mm. more of a sympathetic uh, kind of current world SJW definition. So I don't know what that actual source is. Um, my understanding of compassion through, you know, uh, readings in psychology and, and some some Buddhist stuff is more empathy and then accepting the human experience. So, you know, it's it's been really important. Self-compassion is the most important thing for recovery from mental health issues. And it's because, you know, people often have this ideal of where they should be, where they want to go. And then they're mad at themselves that they're not there yet. And you have to kind right. of accept, no, this is my situation. It's okay that this is my situation and I'll work on it. So it's that like acceptance of the state of things of, of like, you know, the human experience is difficult um, and, and I'm working on it. Um, okay. And so that is my understanding of compassion. And I think that aligns more with the spiritual sense of compassion than I, I, I actually dislike this Google definition. So it's it's an acceptance and not um, not I guess it's the absence of thinking harshly or making negative judgments. Yeah, um, and it's also compassion is sort of um, it's it's more in line with empathy because sympathy is very much passing judgment that that situation is bad right. and I feel bad for this person. Right, empathy right. is I see how this could be going on, and so compassion is kind of like that as well. Um, and so, you know, Judaism has a, has a thing where like compassion without honesty is fake compassion. So you have to re it's, it's kind of compassion yeah. and people will different, like differ on this. But my understanding as well is that compassion is actually fairly indifferent most of the time, right? Like right. I'm, I, if I'm actually viewing my own experience, I can be compassionate to myself that like, well, this is the experience. I'm not like, oh, woe is me, the world's awful. It's like, oh no, this is what's going on right now. That's okay, and I'll improve, right? Um, and so that's what self-compassion would look like. And so, you know, it's it's the similar thing like, uh, you know, I do think it tends to be tinged with a little bit of um, um, good graces or something. So, you know, the 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 mugger is mugging you and you're kind of understanding like odds are he's only doing this because he's desperate. He's not an evil person just here to cause me harm. Right. And right. and so, you know, Christianity traditionally is seen as like compassion on steroids. Right. Like right. you just kind of they turn the other cheek. Right. right. And so it's like, well, oh, there's you really like the needed to hit me there. Oh, man, you must hit, take swing at this one, buddy. Right. Yeah. Whereas so I don't think it's to that extent. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, it is, it's kind of like the, there, there is a slippery slope between, you know, empathy, compassion, and, uh, the Christian, Christian altruism, right? right. Um, and, and what are the limits of that? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this. Why is this subject important to you? 
Because I really, well, I feel that, like, especially with the lack of morality in current society and the, and, you know, the left, in my opinion, I wrote an article a while ago that, like, the left is losing compassion and that's mm -hmm. all that matters, right? And right. so the left, and, and I actually think compassion goes right in line with freedom. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that when I, yeah. when I wrote that, it was like the left wing was, was consistently winning in Canada at least, because they were fighting for gay rights, trans rights, and, and, and you know, other equalities, right? Because right. they were compassionate to those people's experiences. I'm not gay, maybe I don't even agree with gayness or something, but I understand that's your experience and you should be able to do whatever the hell you want, right? right? And that's compassion in my opinion. Right. I, I um, think I understand where you're coming from and, and here's how I'm going to try to, um, I guess sum up what your definition of compassion is mm -hmm. or what I'm hearing. It's basically this idea that, that uh, every human has dignity and worth no matter what they've done or what they believe. There's a spark of the divinity in everyone and, mm -hmm. and that ought to be recognized, right? That, yeah. that redemption might be possible uh, for everyone and, and reckon, the, the recognition of that is essentially compassion. And, and right now we are dramatically lacking that. Yeah, you know, we're, we're entering an age of um, tribalism and dehumanizing the other and, um, and, you know, erasing from our thoughts, the idea that there's anything redeemable or of value in that other person, right? Uh, because they sit in the opposite tribe as me mm. or something like that. Is that getting? Yeah, closer? I think that that captures it quite well, actually. And it and it shows how collectivism is just inherently non-compassionate, right? And that's why you see this, like, um, compassion also slips into subjectivism if you don't hold the, the, the principle properly, because you do have your experience that I don't understand, but that's your experience of reality. It doesn't change the reality, right? But right. there's this idea that if I'm actually compassionate, then everyone's experience is the tr the truth, not their truth, the truth, or something like that, right? Mm. Um, and so you you saw how I think the the left wing very much was this mothering figure, the, sure. the traditional left wing, and they had this stake of we're moral, we're compassionate. Those guys aren't, and that won a lot. Um, but now it's very clear the limits of that. Um, right. and, and they've gone far, far beyond that. But the reason, yeah, I'm, I'm particularly interested in it is, well, I, I honestly think that growing up, I was almost never shown compassion. I was a very mm -hmm. strong headed kind of arrogant ish person, but it was rooted in horrible self-consciousness and anxiety as it almost always is. Right. But no one ever stopped to ask why I was behaving the way I was. I was just a bad person. And I was labeled that by my teachers at age six. And like that just held for 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. And so as I've had to rediscover myself and learn how to learn compassion from the ground up, I see how, you know, it's being reflected in society. And so, you know, there's the current thing of, well, if you if if you considered voting for Donald Trump, you're an irredeemable human scum, right? right. Or if, if, and so it's like, can we show the other side of the aisle compassion? Can we show the person mugging us compassion? And then also my brain always does go to extremes. And, and I started thinking about, okay, at what point does compassion actually validly break? At what point do you actually say, no, I don't 
see your human value anymore, right? Is that ever the case, right? So the extreme Buddhists would say, no, that's right. never the case. Um, but at some point, there must be an objective standard. You know, I do find morality interesting. There must mm -hmm. be some standard of what is acceptable. Is it one murder? Is it 10 murders? Um, and, and like those sorts of things. But then also, yeah, trying to be empathetic and imagine how difficult and otherworldly some people's experiences are. So the right. best example for that is Kim Jong-un, right? Kim Jong-un yeah. didn't choose to be born into his situation. And if he didn't behave the way he does, he'd be killed, right? right. That is, he was born into this situation, um, right? And, and so compassion is about, and empathy are about imagining your, yourselves in that situation. Jordan yeah. Peterson um, and other people, uh, Carl Jung and other people make this argument that until you accept the, the limits of the evil you are capable of, mm -hmm. you can never mm -hmm. be truly good, right? And so it's like, you know, I do value my life. If I was born the son of Kim Jong-il, <laughs> maybe I would protect my life at the, at the cost of thousands of others. Um, yeah. I don't know. But so, and so it's interesting to me to talk about that. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and that brings us down another pathway almost because, you know, that's kind of what got me into this liber into libertarianism a little bit is, is the understanding that if I were in Nazi Germany, um, you know, at, at the, in 1930s, uh, what makes me think I wouldn't have joined the Nazi party and, and push Jews into ovens? Like what, what makes me think I'm better than those people or more morally superior that I could have resisted all the cultural pressures, all the collectivism, all the, all the, uh, insecurity and fear I felt about my situation. Uh, wh why wouldn't I do that? And that scared the hell out of me, you know, and, yeah. and uh, it actually came from, uh, even further back in my childhood, I used to have nightmares that um, I was the Antichrist or something that I was, uh, you know, because my mom put in my head all these Christian ideas about end times, like I was just fascinated by like the rapture and the tribulation and all the end time stuff, evangelicals. And I'm and I started worrying about whether I was going to go to heaven or not. Uh, that yeah. that was kept me up at night. But then I'm like, what if it's even worse? What if I'm like totally irredeemable? What if I'm destined to be the Antichrist? Like, how do I how could I stop that? What, what could prevent me from being that? Right. And that, that, um, I guess <laughs> it, it, in a really weird way, my mom, you know, I mean, I think that in some ways having those beliefs and those worries imposed on me as a child was probably harmful. And I, I would never do that to my kids, but on yeah. the flip side, it made me really hunger for the truth and really hunger to make sure that, that I was going to lead a moral life and that I was, um, and, and and to have the humility to recognize that I could go down the path of ease, evil very easily. I mean, people, billions of people all over the world have gone down that path and have participated in genocide and all these things that we sit in our armchair and say, oh, I would never do that. These people are horrible, right? Again, mm -hmm. we're dehumanizing them, though, to say that, because if we were in their exact shoes, what makes us think that we would be any different? I mean, if, if I'd have been born in Saudi Arabia instead of Canada, I'd be a Muslim. You know, it's just because of the accident of my birth, I became a Christian. I could mm -hmm. have been a Hindu. I could have been a Shintoist. That all depends on where I was. So I wasn't going to arrive at my belief system through some and my actions and my worldview through some 
philosophical first principle that, you know, I'm a blank slate and I'm, <laughs> I'm just rationally thinking things out. Um, and, and so uh, your mind so has to like basically even even objectivism, but basically every religion as well says that your mind ha like to to decide to be moral and, and to be rational in these things, your, your mind has to switch like it's you're not not everyone not everyone is born default searching for the truth. So in Buddhism, right. it's like there's I don't know, four types of people or something is their belief, but very few people are born with the like with the touch or whatever and it's more mm. likely that you're born kind of aimlessly and you're yep. you have some chance interaction or or a chosen interaction with someone who turns that light on and it's right. the same with like libertarian principles with anything the odds of you from you know the age of five developing your own value set that is fairly accurate and rational is very uncommon, right? right? Very, very uncommon. And so um, you do tend to, like I do believe in the idea that we have volition at any point in our lives, but it's very difficult sometimes, right? To not just kind of get swept, swept up in what's around you. And I think you mentioned that, you know, there was a study that also showed most of the Germans who like, who went against the Nazis, it actually, they had like different familial raising. So they yes. were raised outside the German norm. They weren't necessarily like, I'm sure some of them were particularly strong moral people of their own accord, but right. just look at society now even and see how many people are like that. Well, um, well, well you know, the, 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 yeah, there, there was a study, uh, it was Olinger and someone else, I can't remember, but they, they, they wanted to figure out what, why were some of these Nazis moral heroes, right? Why did they risk their lives to save Jews when the time came, right? Why did they take opportunities and take great personal risks to do this? What made them different than the, the rest of the German people who just kind of went along with everything? And they couldn't find any differences in demographics. Like they, they would, could, it didn't matter what neighborhood or what, you know, class they were born into. It didn't matter their socioeconomic status. They looked at all these things and they couldn't find a common ground. But then when they, they looked deeper at the data, um, these moral heroes, they, they discovered that all of them had been, had described uh, a child, a parenting style from their parents that was different than the cultural norm in Germany at that time. And that had been that they weren't raised with corporal punishment, with hitting, which was, which was kind of the standard. I mean, um, you know, childhoods in, in pre-war Germany were uh, terrible. Like, you know, th mm. there were um, post postnatal abortions going on, right? Where if you didn't want your babies right after it was born, it, it was not uncommon to just kill it uh, and throw it out, right? And it was just, it wasn't considered a person. Um, babies were hung in, in bunting bags on tree, like nailed to trees and just left there all day in their own filth. And, and uh, you know, their, their corporal punishment was enormous. But these moral heroes were said that their parents discipline them through argumentation. In other words, they appealed to them as rational, autonomous humans that were capable of making their own decisions rather mm -hmm. than just imposing their will through force and, and uh, whacking them. Listeners to this podcast get a one-week free trial to the Warrior Path. So sign up now. The details are below. I was coming off a stint in management uh, when I signed up for the Warrior Path, and I was pretty soft. I'm not going to lie to you. 
David. <laughs> I was uh, out of shape. I was huffing, and I had to come back to the floor, kick in doors, hump hose, fight fire, and I needed to get into shape. And Chad Kirkham at the Warrior Path definitely got me into shape. Uh, you know, I've, I've never felt better, to be honest. And he had an app that tracked the progress. I sent videos to him. Uh, it, was, it was a really slick application, actually. I, I would send videos. He'd correct my form, send me little tips and, and videos. And, uh, and whenever, whenever I needed, he was available. And I'll tell you, I, I put on, I think, about 50% on all my personal records in about a two month period, uh, working with the warrior path. And that's exactly it. Those structures, uh, like again, cause some people will think, Oh, we're, you know, we're deterministic or something. And I, it's absolutely not that, but you're, you're, you have to at some point decide to use your rationality. Right. right. And yeah. And so but, but this calls into question then, should we have compassion for the adult children? <laughs> that turned into these, uh, you know, Jew-hating Nazis who had these terrible, uh, even though they were normal childhoods, right? And, um, you know, my, my thinking is that, that we, we can empathize with them, um, but we sh- shouldn't, uh, I guess, sympathize, right? We shouldn't feel pity or or whatever for them. Um, and, and right, so that's, yeah, not, that's, I'm, I'm, that's I'm wondering to, why. And, and, and I, well, and because I, I think part of compassion is, um, is drawing boundaries, right? So kids, it's the, the I, I remember reading some research a little while ago that talked about how empathy develops in children. And one part of it is that they need to experience empathy, right? So mm-hmm. the, their parents are usually their mom just gives them an unendless amount of empathy, right? Like they're tuned right into every little sound and every mm-hmm. experience that baby's making. And you can see moms are often experiencing almost physical pain when their baby is, right? Um, but but that's not enough to develop empathy. What what is required is is boundaries as well, right? And so. They, they find that in fatherless households, empathy is much, there's much less empathy development in children. And the reason that they hypothesize this is, is that um, fathers draw a boundary. They're like, you don't cross that line. No. Right. And they push back on the kids when they're, you know, because well, <laughs> if you, when you're a father, David, you'll understand that groin punches are the norm. Right. And at a certain point, you, yeah. you snap or you say, no, you get pretty firm with the kid. Right. And this, and, and so, and, and, and it's kind of shocking to the kid the first time you do that. Cause up until then, it's just like, you ju- you're just a punching bag. You're a toy for them, but yeah. children need to realize that there are other people in the world and that drawing the boundary and being firm lets them know, Oh, there's other people that are like me around here. And I need to respect that and understand that they have the same experiences I do. So they need to experience empathy, but they also need to be recognized that there are other people, there are consequences to their actions in that they can hurt other people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so, um, you know, I I think that drawing boundaries and, um, and, and, and have allowing consequences to play out is compassionate. Right. Yeah. And so, so, but, but so justice is compassionate, right? So we can understand that these people um, had ch- t- terrible childhoods. We can, we can even sympathize with them a little bit and feel sorry for them. But um, at the end of the day, does that mean that we don't enact justice? No, because justice is part of compassion as far as I, 
I can tell. Right. And I'm not saying that we just let everyone off the hook. Oh, everyone's a flawed human. Like, right. you, that's, that's kind of the mindset a bit now. Oh, like criminals can't help it. It's just the way they were raised. Like, no, if you still decided to do something bad, right? I, like, I still right. believe people make the decisions they do, but it's like, what is the, where is the line and, and how does it, how does it fluctuate or if it does? Cause you know, if, so I, uh, some people think, you, you know, an eye for an eye, you kill someone, you should be put to death, but that's kind of then disregarding the humanity of that person. Right. Um, and so there are limits, but let's, I'll, I'll talk about, yeah, like, my, can, can, can you kill someone compassionately? Uh, so some people argue, yeah, like the, the suffering, right? If people are suffering immense pain and they right. want to die, you can kill them compassionately, right? Um, and, and so sort of in those cases. Um, and, and there are, I mean, in some Scandinavian countries, there, there were people who were like diagnosed as, as in like such bad depressions and, and they could never come out of it. So they were euthanized at like a young age right? because of mental health issues. I think that's a whole other yeah, uh, issue to have some doctor say, oh, you can't ever get better um, with a mental health thing. But, you know, so I'll, I'll use my own example, right? Like I really don't think I was shown much, if any, compassion, uh, you know, growing up even into young adulthood. And, you know, I, I am interested to know what the limits were for some of my peers, right? So if I, you know, was just consistently verbally abusive to them, were they like, do I no longer warrant compassion? Is it only if I, if I steal from them? If I, if I'm like, you know, at what point, you know, in our interactions, Tim, at what point would you think I'm no longer worthy of compassion then? Is it only in like sort of starting to get to the extremes like Nazism? Um, yeah, well, or... and, 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 and this is where I, I struggle a bit with uh, the term, right? So, so I would say that, that it's never, that, that I'm never not going to recognize that there's some divine spark in you um, mm -hmm. that makes you the same as me and every other person, and that's worthy of dignity and whatever, right? Uh, but that's not to say that I, I can't recognize that and, and murder your ass. Uh, if you do do something, um, you know, so am I compassionate when I'm murdering you? I, I could argue that, yeah, I, I might be right. Like if you uh, wipe out my family and you do terrible things to it, I can recognize that, okay, there's David. He was not shown any compassion as a child. He had a horrible upbringing. You know, it, it's terrible that, that all, all this has gone down, but he's a predator that is going like he, he's, we can't so it, risk anyone else and I'm just gonna so you but then that's the point of like yeah irredeemability basically right like right. that's what it comes down to I think is what is the point of irredeemability um sure and so you know any person might feel I think it might be better to talk about you know Joe's family than your family because right. it's often harder to be objective about your own situation that, right but that, yeah and that's that's fair right and 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 to me like should there be an expectation on me that i need to feel compassion right or do you have some compassion for my lack of compassion um, no absolutely you, know you I mean? should right and that's the thing right and that's where it becomes like okay what is the you that's why you do need to find right. some sort of actual limit and it's not the the christian altruism of i sacrifice to you you sacrifice to him he sacrifices to me 
right? So Buddhism says, no, there are no limits to compassion, right? Everyone right. is redeemable. Everyone can, you know, go meditate in a cave for a day and realize all their mistakes and be a new person. Or it's like the born again Christian, right? All of my sins are washed away because right. I, and, and I mean, I have had that sort of experience. I was a bad person before. I did stuff that I shouldn't have done that I really regret. I hurt people. Mm -hmm. I didn't do anything that I've deemed irredeemable, but I know there's a handful of people who will never forgive me for what I did to them, right? Right. Um, potentially, right? But I, but at this point, that's there. That's on them, right? Like they have to understand that I, I didn't know what I was doing, even though I should have, right? Um, and, yeah. and so it, it is. It's very. It's a very difficult thing to figure out. But I think it's particularly important because right now the the mainstream of society, let's call it seems to be very compassionate to anyone who they view as a victim, but but not anyone who they view as a predator, right? Yeah. But this, like, and, but, this but, idea but, that, sorry, but I want this idea that like, you know, tons of men are rapists and murderers. Like I don't either, it's an inherently evil thing or it's a social, it's something that's going on that's causing this to some degree, right? And And so, we have to kind of understand what is going on in these people's lives to cause them to be rapists and murderers. And to start with that is you have to accept that they're not just evil people. They're people who have been mistaken, who have been indoctrinated, who have, and it's the same with communists, right? Like you have to start with compassion yep. if you think you can redeem people. Um, yeah, ab absolutely. And, you know, if, if we're going to look at what cause causes criminality, it's it's lack of it's horrendous lack of compassion in childhood. Right. Mm. I mean, that that raises um, the chances of criminality and addiction and drug abuse, substance abuse to like 400 times or something like that. It's it's a huge, uh, huge raise. Um, right. And so, so some people think that compassion is the answer. If we can just break that cycle and start showing real true compassion to everyone then yeah. it starts to break that cycle right kanye west in his interview with uh jimmy kimmel was like just try love man you got to just yeah, try man. love yeah and and there's some truth to that right it's difficult when you have been wronged to show compassion to other people sometimes but like if you're in a relationship with someone you know uh someone has to be first right so you know i'm just mm -hmm. thinking of marriages like quite often in a marriage, there's one person who consistently um, uh, will put up defenses, put up walls until the other person extends the olive branch and shows compassion and says, let's talk and let's try to work things out here. Right now, it sucks that it's one sided sometimes, but someone has to go first. If you value that relationship, if you want to you know, forge ahead, someone has to go first. And so I, th I think there's something to that. Um, you know, but there's that, so many yeah. things that came up in, in your, your, um, your, your little monologue there. One was, okay, there's lack of compassion in kids in general. I mean, society treats kids horribly. Um, yeah. you know, public schools are, are, have higher rates of predation and, and sexual abuse and all that than, than the Catholic church. And that never gets talked about, for example. So there's just horrendous, like we institutionalize our kids in, in soulless, compassionless institutions and then you know that's normal socialization for them right and then the, yeah. the in 
we continually treat kids like that. We, we uh, subsidize uh, single parenthood, you know, single motherhood. And so these kids never learn empathy. And then they grow up to be these compassionate social justice warriors, which aren't really, I, I don't believe for a second that they feel any kind of sympathy or compassion for the oppressed. I think that they're using those people as props. I think they, I they, think they might feel, feel pity sympathy. for them. Yeah, I think they look at them as children, right? And I think yeah. on the left, the way you dehumanize someone is that you look at them as children in need mm -hmm. of my parentage, my paternalism, right? Yeah. Uh, the, on the right, the dehumanization looks more like, okay, that group is in the, that the, they're in the out group uh, and, and therefore they're, they're dangerous and we need to keep them away, right? But mm. both sides of the political spectrum engage in, in this lack of compassion. I, I don't Absolutely. buy the left's crocodile tears one bit. They're manipulative sociopaths as far as I can tell. And, uh, but we, we've lost. And so where, where has this lack of compassion, this disconnectedness, this failure to recognize the uh, value and dignity of our, our fellow individual humans come from? Well, to me, it's come from statism. Statism has created a zero-sum game, which uh, divides people into camps and tribes and uh, for their own protection. Because if that tribe gets it, they hate people like me, and they're going to point the guns at me. And so yeah. it's not just that I, I have to grab, like, and it's not enough um, for me to, to get the gun. I actually have to point it at them and destroy them or they're going to get the gun the next political cycle and destroy me and so it ramps up this um it comes from fear anxiety insecurity um all these things and, and i've always said you know the the way forward like more than even persuading people of a rational philosophy or something like that um, which i think is really important and necessary to get get a, a free society you have to have a tipping point of people that subscribe to a rational philosophy but to even get to that point, people need to understand how to manage their own fear and insecurities and recognize that what they're doing, what they're putting out into the world is a projection of their own, the own, their own fear and anxiety about their place in the world and their, their feeling of helplessness. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and once we, we can solve that, then maybe we can get, turn them onto a rational political philosophy. So I, I think there's a well, lot to this idea of compassion and yeah. trying to, because I, I think compassion can help get rid of that fear and anxiety. If, if people feel heard, if they feel like we're listening to them, we connect with them, we see some dignity in their, themselves, even if we don't agree with their ideas, um, now, now they start opening up a little bit, right? Now they're, now they're able to be persuaded. Now they don't see us as enemies. They see us as someone that's in a relationship or connected to them in some way. Yeah, I, I would really agree. And I think like self-compassion is the most important, right? If you can't right. show yourself that I'm struggling a little bit, like I'm not perfect and that's okay and I'll, I'll improve. And until you can do that to yourself, it's going to be very hard to do that to anyone else, right? Um, yeah. Absolutely. And that's why I think I agree with you that the left and the right both don't have it at all. And that's why, you know, when I wrote the article saying the left lost it, you know, I was still bought into their framework generally, but I do think they were at some point fighting for some freedoms, right? Like they were fighting for equal rights for minorities and that they were compassionate to those people's struggles and they were fighting for those freedoms. And that's why I very much think it's important and it's time for libertarianism as the new right 
or, or whatever it might be um, considered in the mainstream, right, um, to adopt a message of compassion as well, right? Because right. to me, they go hand in hand, right? I became a libertarian because of compassion. I, right. I addressed my own issues and realized, okay, how do I spread that? But, you know, still in my, all of my experiences, uh, no offense, but your your more brash, masculine freedomness is the face, right? Not mm. conversations like this, not like, you know, a woman who's a loving mother who is a libertarian and shows this is the way to actually love your neighbor. This is the way right. to actually do it, is to give them their freedom to do whatever they want because they're a, a, a divine, flawed human or whatever, right? Yeah. And so that's what I said when I, I want to be the mother of the movement, right? Like right, right. That, that it, I think those two go absolutely together. Yeah, I, and I think that's a fair criticism um, of, of the libertarian movement. You know, we don't attract a lot of women. Um, and, you know, I think one of the reasons is because these ideas like the, the philosophy of liberty really is um, it, it it's about traditional masculinity in some ways, because it's all about boundary enforcement. Like this is the property rights. Like you, you don't cross that line. This is when mm -hmm. we can use force. This is, uh, you know, it, it's all about these masculine things about when is violence okay and when is it not okay? When, w where are the boundary lines? How do we and economics, right? It's all about resource gathering and re and prosperity. I mean, these are the things that that fathers traditionally think about in the household, mm -hmm. right? But but, but it's about why big... why are those things so important? And it's because of the right. individual, right? If right. you encroach on my boundaries, I can't suffer. I I yes. when I want, I can't I can't be joyful when I want, right? Yeah. And, and these things, right? But but I do think like we need to tell the stories of what happens then in in an environment of freedom so we have protective force being used we have proper property rights boundaries we have an economy that's humming along and people gathering resources what are the stories of beauty that emerge from that okay absence of coercion is not necessarily beauty in and of itself it's just mm. the the starting point but something emerges out of that and and that's where love compassion uh virtues come out of right and and so so i look at you know all the beautiful things happening in my my household i'm gathering resources i'm mowing the lawn i'm you know doing all these dad things but the beauty really happens inside the house and that comes from my wife's heart and and the the home that she's made in this place right and and those stories don't get told enough i think in in libertarian circles yeah absolutely and i think there's also been this this uh I mean, I think society and particularly the quote left looks down upon motherhood, right? Like mm. when I say I would love to have a stay at home mom to raise my kids and have a great uh, a stay at home wife to raise right. my kids and be a mom. I, people are offended. How dare you're such anti woman. I was like, well, no, some women want that. Right. right. Like some women see the value in that. And so like the the, the feminist has feminism has really done like has has. Um, I forget the proper word, but has looked down strongly, heavily upon motherhood, right? Um, yep. And so that has really been lost, that sense of actual compassion. And what we get instead is Justin Trudeau with his fake compassion, right? Um, with, with, his, with his, you know, his responsibility for the masses or whatever. Um, and so that, that's why I'm really trying to figure out how to get this message across, how to um show that liberty 
is hand in hand with compassion and you can't have one without the other. And the all of the schools of thought, I mean, objectivism was a, started by a woman as well, but it's very much a masculine philosophy, right? It's very right. much yeah. about um, all of those ends. But I see some of my objectivist friends still struggling because they've yet to be able to make that switch of it's okay where you are. I know right. where you're going. You know all of the theory of how to live a great life, but it's okay where you are right now. And and mm -hmm. and 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 that's the first step. I that was literally my aha moment. My my year of like therapy, almost every session, she was just reiterating to me that I'm a flawed human and it's okay because I was so right. hard on myself, right? Mm. Um, and and then when I when it just switched in my head that that is really what, you know. I, I was at ground zero, but I, I couldn't start building until I accepted I was at ground zero, let's say. Yeah.